This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. The very start of the study, we just took a knockout sample. We measured the IBU. And we were shocked to find that the IBUs were well above 100 when the target was 70. So then we realized we're losing a lot during fermentation. But the biggest surprise from this was how fast it happened. Uh, Without fail, within two days, you are losing that 30% uh, IBU. This week on the show, my pal Aaron Justice from Ballast Point is back to lead us on an awesome journey tracking IBUs throughout the brewing process. This episode is full of surprises and I guarantee you're going to learn something. I'm also linking to the TQ article where you can find Aaron's IBU equations based on the study. You took on a major project in which you closely tracked IBUs throughout your brewing process at three different breweries. Tell us how this all came about. I was sitting in, a, in, a, in a, uh, a room full of quality analysts, and uh, we're kind of going over our critical beer specs. We go over ABV, IBU, SRM, and kind of just have this roundtable discussion about uh, why any one of our core brands would be out of spec. And uh, I remember we were off uh, our typical IBU for one of our core brands by, I, I don't know, 15. And I remember uh, someone looking at me and saying, how could this possibly happen? And he, he didn't, he was just being, you know, honest with me. Did you tell him it's because you're wrong half of the time because you it, used to work in the weather industry or what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I wish I could keep my job if I'm wrong half the time. Anyway, uh, enough about the weather. But yeah, so he, he was just being honest with me. And, and uh, I, I thought about it. I, I I honestly didn't have an, an answer. You know, I, I, I don't, like, I, I get, you know, IBU calculations, uh, how they're gained and lost a little bit, but not actual quantifiable numbers. You know, the stuff that you can use and say, well, if it's off by 15, uh, it's possible that uh, he or she missed a Whirlpool edition uh, or a 60-minute uh, hop edition. And if that were the case, then, you know, how do you fix that problem? So uh, it really, it, this, this started, you know, a few years ago and kind of turned into this, 
a massive project that we we kind of started and uh, are still doing. This was uh, going on at three different breweries. Is it worth talking about the differences of the three setups a little bit? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, they are different facilities, uh, a, a little bit here and there. Uh, the one that I worked at, uh, this is our Scripps Ranch facility, was the initial production facility. It's a, a three-vessel brew house. Uh, we have an infusion mash tun, a kettle, and a whirlpool. Uh, kind of your standard setup. Uh, and we, we had flow meters on it. We had flow meters for water coming into the mash tun. We had a flow meter from the mash tun to kettle, and then from kettle to whirlpool, and then, of course, from whirlpool to fermenter. Uh, kind of the same setup at our Miramar facility, which is our new production facility. Uh, we have a 150-barrel uh, brew house and a 300-barrel brew house, but uh, most of the data was taken from the 150, which kind of was similar to our Scripps Ranch facility. Uh, and that, that has a louder ton and a, and a wort receiver, but for the most part, uh, at least for this study, uh, we were focusing on kettle and whirlpool. So kind of the same setup, uh, whereas for our R&D facility, which is a five-barrel facility, it's just a mash ton and a kettle. So it's direct fire. And we whirlpool inside the kettle. All right. So, just how much utilization, just how much did utilization vary between the different brew house sizes? Did you did you have that data? Were you brewing the same recipes at each location? Uh, we were, uh, and I would say that the the, the direct fire uh, had, generally speaking, had um, less utilization. Uh, because the, the boils weren't as rigorous. The other uh, two locations have an external calandria, so you get a lot of mixing during the boil. And uh, with these bigger systems, you have a longer knockout as well. So uh, you have a little bit more contact time with the hops in the whirlpool, uh, a little bit more momentum in the whirlpool, so you get a lot more mixing in the whirlpool, whereas on a smaller system, you just really don't have that. And you know you knock out a five-barrel batch in, in 20 minutes. So. Right. Uh, generally speaking, yes. Uh, the, the bigger systems, we had uh, better utilization. Okay, we've probably all read about the factors that affect hop utilization, like work gravity and pH. Talk about some of these factors and which ones turned out to matter the most in your breweries. Uh, without a doubt, uh, it, it was um, hop rate. In fact, that was kind of the sleeper of this uh, the study was that uh, hop rate has a huge impact. So if, if you're using a, a pound per barrel uh, hot side hops, uh, you're going to get really uh, less utilization. Uh, gravity, work gravity definitely has an impact. Uh, we noticed that. There's a pretty strong correlation. Uh, wort IBU, as, as the wort IBU approaches 100, uh, you, you see a dramatic plateauing of utilization uh, because you're you're hitting a saturation point. Uh, pH, uh, to be honest, uh, because wort pH doesn't vary that much. I mean, you're going to go from anywhere from you know 4.9 to as high as maybe 5.6. Uh, there really wasn't that strong of a correlation. And um, time, of course, uh, time was a, a a fairly big one uh, with the study. Though we found that. Uh, usually within the first five to 10 minutes, you're picking up almost uh, most of the IBUs you're going to get from that hop charge. 
Yeah, that was a big surprise to me to see that. This is a very thorough study. You looked at mash hops, you looked at 60-minute editions, you looked at Whirlpool editions, you looked at wet hops, studied IBU loss throughout the process. So let's start with the mash hops. I guess you wanted to know how much bitterness those editions were getting. Talk about that. I and this is something that's you know heavily debated in the industry, especially even in our our own brewery, because a lot of people thought, well, what is this actually doing? Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, because a lot of people say, well, you know, you're just you're just you know flushing these these uh, hops down the toilet, uh, but that that's not the case. We I've, we found I've that probably said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we found that there was even a sensory. Uh, uh, from our sensory panel, we did notice at least uh, a little bit of a difference between non-mash hop and mash hop. But I think the biggest difference that you're going to get is, uh, yes, you're going to get IBUs. Uh, and if you use a high alpha hop, and if you're doing about a half pound per barrel of that high alpha hop, you, you could get 20, maybe 30 IBUs from mash hopping. And I, I remember when I started home brewing, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, people say, oh, no, mash hops add nothing. They don't add any uh, IBUs, but that that's not the case. You do get uh, a decent amount. We were seeing utilizations uh, anywhere from about 8 to 10%. And you saw that utilization drop as the hop rate went up there as well, right? We did. It, it seems like also uh, as the brew progressed uh, and we got to the knockout, uh, it kind of all started to kind of level out. And I don't know if it was because we were approaching a saturation point or if we were starting to see a little bit of thermal degradation of those hop compounds uh, through the process, because you know you're throwing them in uh, at dough in, uh, that's a long period of of you know high temperatures uh, to those hops. So uh, I, I don't know for sure, but uh, it's something that we've noticed, and we've we've done this study so many times now. Uh, but there is kind of a, a leveling of the playing field as you go through the brewing process. Let's talk about the 60-minute additions. What did you want to learn there? First and foremost, I, I, I think what we wanted to do was find out uh, what were our knockout IBUs so that we can kind of get a benchmark to see then how much we were going to lose through fermentation. So with 60-minute additions, uh, we wanted to see how fast we were going to pick up the IBUs and... Uh, how much like what was that utilization and we, we were really surprised if you're doing a scottish ale where you're hopping at about 0.1 pounds per barrel you're going to get about 60 percent utilization whereas if you're doing a, an imperial red which was one of our brews uh, which is super high gravity and and uh you know the, the hop rate is outrageous uh your your utilization is going to drop below 20 percent so we kind of wanted to see that, and we did 30-minute additions and 10-minute additions, but we found that they behaved uh, very similarly to 60-minute additions. So uh, we kind of just pushed those aside, the 30-minute, the 10-minute, 15-minute additions, and just focused uh, solely on the 60-minute addition. Talk, talk more about how what you observed in regards to the utilization over time. Uh, so for 60-minute, uh, again, uh, within the first five minutes, you're picking up the vast majority of your IBUs. Uh, it's not even close. So uh, you'll see a utilization increase through that boil, and you can see a utilization increase by maybe five to ten percent, uh, which is you know still substantial. But that first five minutes is critical 
Were you surprised by that? I could, that definitely surprised me. It, it, it is very surprising because I, I think um, with, with the 60-minute edition, if you're picking up all your IBUs within the first five minutes, uh, I think uh, your first inclination is to think, well, gosh, why not just throw it in at 15 minutes? Yeah. You get most of your IBUs and you also get flavor and aroma. Right, uh, and that that's that was my first takeaway from from those sixty minute editions, um, and just how high the utilization was. I, I was really surprised by that. Uh, I didn't think it was going going to be that high. You've got some words of caution for those substituting high alpha editions with lower alpha editions. What's that all about? We did that separate study where we talked about um, where we increased hop rate on. Uh, one specific uh, Blondale, where uh, we use Polaris at a hop rate of 0.1 and Tetanang at a hop rate of uh, 1.2 pounds per barrel. And the utilization dropped from 45% with the Polaris and dropped down to 30% with the Tetanang. Uh, and I thought that was really important because I think I hear a lot of people in the industry say, well, you know, when you're doing 60 minute additions, you can, you can substitute any hop because you're going to boil off any. Um, aroma and flavor from those hops but you know if you're going to substitute a low lower alpha hop for a higher alpha hop uh, just realize that your utilization is going to drop uh, significantly coming up all the other ibu calculators that you get uh, online or anywhere else uh, really focus on work gravity and uh, the amount of uh, boiling time so I wanted to take this data and try to come up with an equation that maybe would be a little bit better at predicting IBUs. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Additional support provided by Whitcomb Selinski McAuliffe PC serves all brewers in registering and protecting trademarks, navigating the label approval process, and assisting with OSHA inspections and safety compliance. Please go to WSMLawPC.com for more information. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. District Carolinas is holding a social at Highland Brewing in Asheville during the South Atlantic Hops Conference March 16th. Maybe I'll see you there. District Michigan meets at the Knickerbocker in Grand Rapids March 21st. District Eastern Canada meets in Montreal March 21st. District St. Louis also meets March 21st at Urban Chestnuts Grove location. Don't miss the Maintaining a Clean Brewery webinar March 28th. Several districts meet the last weekend in March. District Texas is in San Antonio. District Mid-Atlantic is at Basic City Brewing in Waynesboro, Virginia. And District Midwest is at Rheingeist in Cincinnati. It's not too early to start making plans for the 2019 Master Brewers Conference. If you can only make it to one conference in 2019, this should be it. 
We're really mixing things up this time and heading to the Calgary Convention Center to see how Alberta celebrates Halloween. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. back to the show. All right, let's move on to the Whirlpool editions. What did you want to learn about about those? Uh, again, I remember uh, when I first started homebrewing, it, it, uh, people would say, oh, you, you get almost no IBUs from, from Whirlpool. Uh, once I became a, a commercial brewer, I quickly realized that that wasn't the case. Uh, once we could actually measure IBUs, we realized that you were going, you're getting a lot of bitterness from the Whirlpool edition. Uh, with Whirlpool, uh, just like 60 Minute, uh, we found that you pick up most of your IBUs within the first 5 to 10 minutes uh, of contact time. But with Whirlpool, time really didn't matter. Uh, if, and if you think about it, you throw your Whirlpool hops in. And they swirl around and, and quickly you know, settle into the middle and drop to the bottom. Uh, and then you're, you're knocking out. And uh, so you're not really seeing this agitation that you're seeing during the boil. So we found that with Whirlpool hops, uh, time really doesn't matter. Uh, what we did find was hop rate was a big one. And with pe- the way people hop nowadays... You know, a pound per barrel in the Whirlpool uh, is becoming almost standard for for hoppy beers, uh, and we found that hopping rate had a substantial effect on utilization. Probably the biggest effect. Uh, gravity also had an impact. Uh, we found that the lower gravity beers there was almost no correlation from about ten to thirteen Plato. Uh, we found almost no correlation, and there, there's been previous studies that have kind of shown that. Uh, but once you start to get to higher gravities above 13 Plato, uh, you're going to start to see a tighter correlation and a decrease in utilization. Uh, and uh, another one that we found was that wort IBU. So if, if, if the wort IBU going into that whirlpool is higher, especially once you start approaching that 100 IBU, uh, you're going to get almost nothing out of those hops. The utilization will drop uh, to almost 10%. Wow. And the results that you saw, again, they were pretty similar between the different breweries, right? Uh, they were. Again, the big breweries, uh, you, just, you get more agitation. There's more momentum in those whirlpools. Uh, you're pumping at a, at a faster rate. Uh, the thermal you know, charge, the heat you know, is retained in, in such a huge vessel. Uh, we, were, we were getting significantly higher utilization but uh it was still uh, fairly high on the smaller system as well so uh, whirlpool hops uh are a thing they definitely add uh anywhere as uh you know as low as 20 percent utilization to as high as 44 percent utilization which is which, which is a big deal yeah definitely okay you also studied some uh wet hop additions talk about that uh, this this one was fun, and uh, we've done this a couple times. But uh, you know, with wet hops, uh, because they they obviously have uh, 
way more moisture than than kiln hops you have to assume that the the, the alpha is going to be about one-fourth uh the amount of a, a pelletized hop so that's how we kind of calculated the uh the the utilization but uh we we put 400 pounds of wet hops uh cascades uh, into our mash tun pump from the kettle into the to the mash tun obviously we saw a, a temperature drop uh temperature dropped into the 190s uh, but we pumped all the work from the kettle into the mash tun steeped it for 20 minutes and then transferred uh, over to the whirlpool from the mash tun so the uh the rest time uh you know it was was about uh 45 to 50 minutes um and we saw about eight percent utilization uh for that beer particularly we saw uh about a 32 uh ibu pickup uh just from steeping with wet hops going beyond the brew house you you determined the average loss of ibus for the 14 beers that you analyzed was almost 34 percent during fermentation maturation and filtration was that a surprise uh that was a big surprise i i think when we when we started doing this study uh the very start of the study we just took a knockout sample we measured the ibu and we were shocked to find that the IBUs were well above 100 when the target was 70. So then we realized we're losing a lot during fermentation. But the biggest surprise from this was how fast it happened. Uh, without fail, within two days, you are losing that 30% uh, IBU. Once, once, uh, once you pass that high carousing and you start to uh, head towards conditioning, and maturation uh there really isn't that big of a change in ibu uh even if you're doing kind of a light dry hop and when i say light dry hop nowadays a pound for per barrel is kind of a light dry hop uh <laughs> whereas you know uh, we will talk about it in a second but uh, you know once you start getting to three it starts getting interesting but uh yeah pound per barrel really doesn't affect ibus uh then filtration you get to filtration and uh you know it if we only centrifuge a beer, uh, we would see about five percent further loss. Uh, if you do centrifuge and um, and a, a polishing filter, uh, you could see as high as a fifteen percent loss. And you saw this. Um, you saw this loss was greater, I think, in the beers that had those real heavy whirlpool additions, right? It is, and it's something that I, I want to study. Uh, we don't have HPLC, but uh, I'm definitely going to send this off to another lab to get this but uh we found that if a beer relies heavily on uh whirlpool ibus i uh, you see a quick loss during fermentation and even filtration so i'm curious to see what specific compound is being lost i don't know if it's humulinone or if it's a uh, uh, iso versus iso uh, i don't have that answer but it is something that we observe for sure do you want to say more about the loss from like yeast and stuff? I feel like we didn't really talk about that very much. Is that worth talking about or not? I mean, it's in your paper, but doesn't mean we have to talk about it here. But uh, yeah, actually, uh, I totally forgot about that too. Holy smokes! Uh, <laughs> another thing. Okay, so uh, we found that you get IBU loss in the first two days of fermentation, uh, but the amount of IBU loss did depend on. Uh, how flocculent that yeast was. If it's a low flocculent yeast and a state in suspension, uh, like a, 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 a wit yeast, uh, we used a uh, Sactois 
And we found uh, from those two yeast strains specifically, uh, even some lager strains, uh, we were getting more IBU loss. Uh, the other thing we found was if it's a higher gravity beer, so you get a more rigorous, longer fermentation, and you get a, a little bit more biomass building in that that fermenter, uh, you're going to get also bigger losses uh, in IBUs from those type of beers. We had Dr. May on the show way back on episode four, and he talked about how dry hopping can increase or decrease IBUs depending on conditions. What was your experience? Oh, yeah. we When we started doing uh, hazies, and we're playing around with hazies where we would double dry hop, uh, we'd have initial hop charge, you know, day one, day two fermentation, uh, and then another one at terminal gravity. Uh, we were seeing uh, big increases in IBU. Uh, I'm talking uh, anywhere from 20, maybe even 30 uh, IBU increase with each one of those uh, hop charges. Uh, we've even done uh, beers now where they're dry hop only, and we dry hop at terminal gravity, and we've seen uh, an increase uh, 30 to 40 IBUs, uh, and we're, we're dry hopping at about three to four pounds per barrel. Yeah, I'd like to hear more about that. So I know you said you, you um, or the, the paper indicated that you'd brewed a couple of hazy session IPAs that had no kettle hops and so dry hopping only. Uh, what, what, was, what did the data look like on those? What, what numbers did you see there? Uh, yeah, those were the ones that uh, I easily picked up uh, anywhere. I, we saw a range from about 25 to as high as 40 IBUs. And it really depends on um, what hops you're using. Uh, I couldn't find a correlation. I mean, we haven't done the study enough, uh, but obviously the, the alpha uh, content is going to impact that because that could. Uh, you know, correlate to humulinone uh, uh, amounts. But uh, with the dry hop only, uh, we relied solely on uh, our bitterness were solely coming from those humulinones. Uh, but that was the, the whole point of the beer. Uh, we added no kettle hops. Uh, we found that kettle hops kind of uh, uh, negatively impact Hay stability. I can't believe I'm even talking about hay stability. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we found that you know hot side hops uh, uh, impact hay stability, so we didn't want to add any hot side hops, uh, and so we just focused just on dry hop, and we wanted to pick up most of our bitterness coming from that dry hop charge at the end of fermentation, and uh, the one that we're, where we did Centennial at four pounds per barrel, uh, we saw a, a forty IBU pickup. What was the sensory bitterness like in that beer? Uh, it's super soft. Uh, it's like what people uh, describe it as, uh, especially when you're using so much wheat. I've, I've noticed that when you use wheat, uh, you're introducing those proteins, which can kind of uh, impact your, your perception of bitterness. Uh, but it's definitely a softer bitterness. Uh, that is without a doubt. Cool. As I was reading through your paper, I got, I don't know, a little more than halfway through and um, I, I jotted down a note, to a question to ask you whether or not anyone has built a model for predicting uh, IBU that takes all these factors into account. And then I got down to the bottom and I learned that you have uh, worked on that yourself. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Right. I, I, I figured that, um, and this is something I've always wanted to work on because uh, all the other IBU calculators that you get uh, online or anywhere else, 
uh, really focus on work gravity and uh, the amount of uh, boiling time. So I wanted to take this data and try to come up with an equation that maybe would be a little bit better at predicting IBUs, uh, not only for knockout, but then for finished product. Uh, so yeah, I, I realized, well, I mean, you're going to have to treat kettle hops different from whirlpool hops. With kettle hops, you focus uh, on hop rate, work gravity, and time. And really, hop rate's what, probably the biggest impact. It has the biggest impact uh, on utilization. Uh, whereas for the whirlpool, focused on hopping rate again, uh, I removed time out of the equation because uh, for the most part, you pick up your IBUs in the first 10 minutes and uh, it just doesn't make a difference. So remove, remove, remove time out of the equation. Uh, so you have, uh, again, hopping rate, gravity, and wort IBU as it comes into the uh, whirlpool. And those are the three factors that affect uh, uh, your whirlpool utilization. So I, I separated those two. And I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm not a statistician. I'm not, uh, I'm, I took a lot of math in, in, in college uh, for, for meteorology. But man, <laughs> I had to painstakingly go through and, and write this equation and try to match the data as much as possible. So that took a lot of time, but I, I will say that at least this equation worked for a Scripps Ranch location. Uh, we were getting our, our targets uh, within, um, within about five, five IBU, and we were brewing a wide variety of uh, beer styles. Uh, we were doing a lot of one-off brews, uh, just weird, crazy stuff, uh, high gravity, low gravity stuff, uh, and, and, and the equation for the most part works. So uh, I, I know that it's not a universal equation. Every brewery is going to be unique, uh, but at the very least, this is a, a start, and uh, you can kind of take this and tailor it to your brewery. Uh, that was the whole point of uh, me kind of sharing this with everyone. That's pretty cool. And listeners who want to check out those equations, they can uh, find those in the Technical Quarterly article, which uh, you can find on the Master Brewers website, and we'll also link to it in the show notes here. Aaron, we know that IBUs don't correlate to sensory bitterness, and the IBU test was never designed for the type of beers most craft brewers are making these days. So I got to ask, are we just wasting our time with the wrong type of analysis for hoppy beers? <laughs> uh, that's funny you asked that because I I wanted to kind of start off the entire paper and even when I gave this talk at the Brewing Summit I wanted to start off saying that this this uh, this measurement of IBU is is uh, is not probably the best uh, technique uh, and the reason why uh, is that it the, the IBU tests measures anything that's soluble in iso-octane and absorbs at 275 nanometers. So uh, we, we found that uh, something like uh, uh, pumpkin spices or bitter orange peel would actually add IBUs to specific beers. So, uh, and this doesn't always yeah, correlate to sensory bitterness. So uh, with all that said, when you think about the spectra, spectrophotometer and measuring IBU, uh, we used it more as a critical control point to verify uh, that the beer is the same as it was when we brewed it last week. 
uh, and uh, it will allow us to kind of be more predictive of what to expect possibly uh, with a beer that we're going to brew in the future, whether we're scaling it from a home brew or a five barrel batch or commissioning a new brew house on the East Coast. I look forward to hearing people's feedback and uh, I look forward to seeing other people's studies. I, I want people to, to just share their information and, and be passionate about brewing. That was Aaron Justice here on the Master Brewers Podcast. I know you want to see Aaron's IBU calculator, so check out the link to his TQ article in the show notes, or just type Quest for Consistency into the industry's best search bar at mbaa.com. Did you know that Master Brewers now has a mobile app? TQ articles, podcasts, webinars, Ask the Brewmasters, and more, all in the same place. Search Master Brewers in the App Store to download it now. Since there's that one thing that I should have